shadows bound for the gallows a dead man walking to love came calling rise up Community Church. My name is Ryan Sylvia. I am the Student Ministries Director, and I would just love to welcome you to this online digital service. 
We at La Jolla Community Church offer three wonderful opportunities for you to engage in worship and in ministry. The first opportunity that we have is actually right here online. We have a weekly online service that usually gets posted in the evening. The beginning will have a beautiful, beautiful worship set that we have recorded and put together for you guys, followed by a weekly message led by Pastor Steve. These are wonderful, poignant messages that speak to the life and the heart of our church. The other two options you have for worship are actually here in person on campus, first being at 9 a.m. we have a morning service, uh, worship to start, followed by a message by Pastor Steve. Uh, everybody is on the lawn, socially distanced, everybody wears their mask, and everybody is safe and healthy. The second option we have, after we sanitize and clean every chair and table that gets used, we have an 11.30 a.m. family service led by myself, um, and it focuses a little bit more on the kids, so the service is a little zanier, a little more high energy, but if any of those sound interesting to you, please feel free to join, and of course, if you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at ljcc.org. Hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful day, and we hope to see you at one of our amazing worship opportunities. Well, Christ is risen. Now what? Christ is risen. Now what? That's what we're talking about in this series. Uh, the implication of the resurrection, the defining moment in human history. Uh, it's outrageous to say that. Uh, but uh, I think it's pretty defensible that the resurrection is a defining event in human history. Uh, unpack that. Think of all the things that we wouldn't experience if the resurrection had not happened. Uh, and so because of that, we ask the question, now what? Christ is risen, now what? Well, here's what. Something has changed in you for the better. Something has changed in you for the better. Something is changing in you for the better because of Christ's presence in your life through his resurrection. Uh, we've been talking out of uh, Colossians, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. We, we looked at the last couple of weeks. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. We said that uh, setting our, our hearts on things above is not a spatial thing. Well, heaven is above us. It's saying it's a dimensional thing. Heaven is beyond us. And so we, we talk about setting our, our hearts and minds on things above where Christ is. Why? Because he's the authority. He has the credibility. Uh, having all things created through him and for him, and now having paid the atoning sacrifice on our behalf for our sin, having, having died and now having been raised from the dead, he is, he is in glory uh, and will return in glory. And so we, 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 we look at him. Uh, not on earthly things. We don't disparage earthly things. But if we simply look at earthly things, uh, we miss the larger things. If we look at the larger things from, from God's perspective, His heavenly perspective, all of a sudden earthly things start to make a lot of sense. It's not just a, a world that we experience, it's a world that we understand as we experience it. So here we are in chapter 3 of Colossians, moving on to verses 3 and 4. For you died... And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Well, that's a mouthful. It's a challenge to get our heads around this. For you died. This is a picture of, of baptism. Uh, when we confess our faith in Jesus Christ and we're baptized, the symbolism is that we die to ourselves and we're raised up again into new life in Christ. So you died, 
And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Not hidden as in set aside. Not hidden as in forgotten. Not hidden as in neglected. But now uh, something is happening because you are in Christ. We're going to explore that a bit this morning. And so when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Uh, one of the things I'm loving about springtime uh, is being in a garden, uh, seeing all the things that are, in a sense, hidden from us, but are growing right in front of us. The hiddenness of, of these herbs and fruits uh, and vegetables uh, that, that are deeply rooted in the soil and, and producing... Uh, whatever it is that, that they were meant to produce. For now, it's hidden. I mean, look at your, your body. If you, see, if you see people, what you don't see is what's hidden. Their autonomic nervous system, circulatory system, uh, their brain, their heart, uh, all those things that are happening, the synapses firing away. It's hidden, um, but it's essential, right? And so that's what we're talking about here. So the first point of the morning would be this. Your life is safe in Christ. Your life is secure in Christ. And your life is sanctified in Christ. Those three things go together. It's safe. Nobody can rob you of the life you now have in Christ. Uh, John, writing in, in his first letter, 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, says, This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Uh, Paul, writing to the Romans in chapter 8, says, Nothing and no one can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he gives a whole list of things, none of which can separate us from him. So we have this assurance of our salvation. Why? Because it's, it's safe in Christ, hidden with Christ. And then it's secure. It's secure. We are secure in Christ. We are anchored and then we're sanctified. Sanctified simply means set, a, set aside, set apart for God's purposes. Not set aside as inactive, but we have been brought into a relationship with Christ that is getting better and better and better. And we're living into our real purpose in life, our true purpose in life. And no matter what we do, we're expressing our true purpose in all those mundane things uh, that happen in the course of a typical day, week, month, year, lifetime. So your life is safe in Christ, secure in Christ, and sanctified in Christ. And so this is our new basis for understanding who we are in Christ. A whole new orientation, a much larger perspective. So these things above determine all the things that we experience right here uh, in this world. And all that matters now is you being you in Christ. All that matters is you being you in Christ. Let me put it this way. You in Christ is enough. Uh, let that, <laughs> let that uh, resonate in your mind and, and hopefully move from your mind to your heart. You in Christ is enough. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit here. Uh, what are your roles and responsibilities? Well, you in Christ is enough. Well, I don't know how to be a person, all right? But you in Christ is enough. That's where you start. You in Christ means that you have access to understanding what it means to be a human being, to understanding what it means to be a husband or a wife, a father, a mother, a grandfather, grandmother, a friend, 
a person in the marketplace, a person who is equipped and unleashing uh, incredible gifts and skills given to you by God and developed in the context of all those commitments you make. You see, you in Christ is enough to accomplish that. What are your problems, your fears, your hopes for your life? You in Christ is enough. You can't really say, I don't have what it takes. Well, because if you don't have what it takes to do this, you have alternatives. You have options. You're pursuing this, but as you get into it, you realize that's really not what I want to do. I want to do this. You in Christ is enough. What do you need to flourish and to grow? Well, you in Christ is enough. I'm not suggesting that you are perfect in and of yourself. I'm not suggesting that you don't need people or resources, but you in Christ is enough. Again, if all things were created through Christ and for Christ, us being in Christ is enough. And so when we're overwhelmed with all those things that can overwhelm us, to remember that, you know, Christ is enough. Puts us back into perspective to see things in the proper uh, perspective. So I'm also not exalting self-isolating individualism. Well, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. No. Uh, our, our agency as human beings is essential. The commitments we make, the choices we make. But it's being in Christ that makes us enough. I'm simply taking this passage seriously. You in Christ is enough. How so? Well, we just read it. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You have all the resources of God available to you in Christ. And Christ is your life. He's the source of your life. He is the one who's given you your life back. You were dead in your sin and now he's given you life. See this gift of salvation. Not earned or deserved, but given to you as a, as a gift. Why? Because you are loved by God unequivocally and unconditionally. And then you will also appear with him in glory. The fully developed version of you, yet to come, is being uh, currently developed in Christ. Everything else is commentary to that. So your life is safe in Christ, secure in Christ, and sanctified in Christ, which brings us to the second point, which is this. What does it mean to be you in Christ? What does this look like? What are the essential elements and features uh, that could allow us to understand what it means to be who we are in Christ. Well, let me list some of them. You have been saved by God's grace in Christ and born again to new life. Uh, you are a new creation in Christ, and nothing can separate you from His love. You are spiritually alive and will live forever because of Christ, now and forever because of Christ's life in you and your life in Him. You are a beloved child of God, clothed in Christ's righteousness, what he achieved now is what defines you, a new creation in Christ. You can confess your sins and be forgiven. The past is past. Death no longer defines you, nor does sin adequately define you. And when you, we do sin, we can acknowledge, we can confess, we can repent, and move on. You have been rescued from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of God. Spiritual powers and principalities held sway over you. No longer that power has been broken because you've moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You are a member of the body of Christ and the family of God. You have standing and significance because you 
are a beloved member of the family of God. You are a beloved member in the body of Christ. Stop using the word just. I'm just this or I'm just that. No, you in Christ is enough. You have access to the Father and are filled with the Holy Spirit. You're filled with the Holy Spirit when you receive Christ and then we're constantly renewed and refilled, so to speak, with the Holy Spirit, revived by the Holy Spirit. You might have an experience where you're just parched and you're weary. You feel like you've plateaued in your faith. You're discouraged. And, and you have this experience of being renewed and revived in Christ. You think, maybe I've just now received for the first time the Holy Spirit. No, because if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. But we experience the deepening manifestation of the Holy Spirit as we grow in our capacity to receive what the Spirit brings. You've been given spiritual gifts to bless others. Along with your life experiences and, and the skills you've developed, you have spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ, to bless the world in the name of Christ. Uh, you have a story of love, grace, and redemption to tell. That might not be very well developed. You might be at the beginning of that journey. Or you might have taken your eye off of it and you need to get back to it. But nonetheless, you have and will have a story of love, grace, and redemption to tell. To bear witness about what it means to be you in Christ and have Christ in you. You have resources to flourish and grow in your skills, roles, and responsibilities. Whatever you do is going to be enhanced, is going to be better because you're doing it in and out of this incredible new relationship being developed in Christ. Just think about it. Whatever you do professionally is enhanced by you being fully alive in Christ, fully available to Christ, paying attention to Him. Everything is heightened and enhanced because of Christ's presence in our life. Uh, you have power through prayer. You have wisdom through God's Word. You have strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. All of this because you are in Christ. And so being in Christ isn't turning away from the world or hiding from the world. It's having turned our eyes and our hearts and our minds to God and now realizing in the deepest way possible, the most practical way possible, what it looks like for you to engage the world. Uh, so if you've been led to believe that withdrawing from the world is the highest expression of mature spirituality, uh, that um, is not true. We withdraw, uh, Jesus withdrew for 40 days in order to prepare for his ministry. Uh, during his ministry, he would get away uh, to quiet places, uh, to focus on the Father, and then he'd re-engage in his ministry. Hopefully you take some quiet time every day or throughout the week to be together with God, reading his word, praying, meditating on it, reflecting. Maybe, uh, maybe and hopefully you're in a relationship with people uh, every week that allow you to be part of a give-and-take conversation about what it means to walk with Christ. Hopefully you're in worship uh, with the people of God every week. Hopefully you are reading books, you're having experiences, you're going to retreats, you're, you're, you're participating in mission and ministry. All those things uh, are, are expressions of either preparing to or actually participating in an engagement with the world. So withdrawing from the world, wholly in draw, withdrawing from the world is just the exact opposite of what God has created us to do and has saved us to do. We are in a rhythm of work and rest, and that rest is defined by Sabbath and, and renewal 
and, and infilling so that we can be fully engaged in the world. We set our minds on things above in order to be wise in embracing the world with Christ. We see this from the first chapter of Colossians, verse 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And we get to participate fully in this world that he's created. And so engagement is the hallmark of mature spirituality. You can be a contemplative and be thoroughly engaged in the world. You can be an extrovert and be thoroughly engaged in the world. The point isn't to be an introvert or an extrovert, a contemplative or an activist. It's to be in Christ. In this rhythm of refreshment and renewal that allows us to do our best work. Uh, Perhaps you know the name Julian of Norwich. Uh, Norwich, N-O-R-W-I-C-H, Uh, in the 14th and 15th century, was the second largest city in in England, London being the first. Uh, It was a a town filled with churches and monasteries and and spiritual movement. Uh, And Julian uh, lived there, and so her name comes down to us as Julian of Norwich. Uh, She lived in a tumultuous time. Uh, It was a time of war and plague and societal disruption. The bubonic plague had wiped out probably a, a quarter of Europe. Uh, there were all kinds of uh, wars. The uh, Hundred Years' War was going on between England and France. It was just a very challenging, difficult time. And in the midst of this, uh, Julian uh, suffers a life-threatening affliction. And having come through that, and now <clears throat> as, a, as a young woman, uh, probably having lost her children and her husband to the, to the plague, uh, to, or, to war, she's now in this very, very uh, difficult situation uh, has just uh, almost died, and, and now what? Well, she starts to have these visions of Christ. Uh, she has these 15 visions of Christ, and, 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 and they're, they're corroborated uh, in the sense that they all reflect biblical truth. Uh, none of them would, would, would look like, well, that's a distortion of biblical truth. And so these visions had credibility. And in that, she developed a deep spiritual maturity and ended up having a very significant spiritual impact and influence in her own day. And to this day, Julian of Norwich is an incredible inspiration uh, and guide uh, by way of her writings for many people. She's the first woman author we have record of writing in the English language. And the book she wrote was Revelations of Divine Love. It's a prayerful reflection on living in and for Christ. So she lived a contemplative life, but she was very much actively engaged in in ministering to people, praying for people, praying with people, counseling people. And so she lived a life uh, in hard times, writing about God, His goodness in the midst of sin and suffering. She certainly knew what it meant to live in a world of sin and suffering, and yet she saw the goodness of God powerfully speaking to that situation. And so in a harsh world, she proclaimed and taught and demonstrated God's love and mercy. And at one point, the Lord assured her that her life had meaning and purpose. Your life isn't over. Your life is hidden in Christ and expressed through Christ. So she had this encounter in a vision with Christ, and Christ said to her, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. And this resonates with us. This echoes down uh, through history. 
this beautiful statement, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. It's not just saying, gee, things will work out. It's the best of all possible worlds. No, it's saying, because Christ is in this world, and our lives are hidden with him. We can't see what he's doing. But we know he's developing us in a way that we would be able to experience and to express his powerful love, speaking truth and justice in, in situations that demand that, bringing comfort and mercy and compassion in situations that require that. And so this is the, the hope we have in Christ. It's not wishful thinking, but an eternal promise that this life that is hidden is also uh, being revealed in little glimpses and bits as we live it out. What it will be is yet fully realized or fully revealed. But you right now where you are can experience and can express this hiddenness that is revealed in the practical ways that you engage the world. Let that sink in. Your life has meaning and purpose. All shall be well and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well, because you are in Christ, and Christ in you, and you in Christ is enough. So that brings us to the last point. If you are in Christ, what are you doing with the life he's given you? What are you doing by way of enjoying and exploring and paying attention to this life that he's given you. What we do with it is up to each of us faithfully seeking and obeying God. I can't seek and obey God for you. You can't seek and obey God for me. Together, whether it's individually, but then also together as we are seeking Christ and discerning what it means to be fully alive and functional in him, we start to encourage each other and support one another in ways that we could have never, ever accomplished otherwise. But it's a personal commitment that, that we must make and we then get to experience and celebrate and enjoy uh, corporately, uh, constructively in a community. So what holds us back? Well, this, this, the typical things, fear, pride, laziness, ignorance, indifference. What propels us forward? Well, the opposites, love, humility, generosity, wisdom, care, and comfort. Uh, so let's go back to this list of what holds us back. Fear. Well, I'm afraid to fail or be criticized. I'm afraid that I might have to deal with people who annoy me. Don't let that fear paralyze you. That's where you're going to grow. Facing your fear is a way of pushing toward growth. God will meet you where you're afraid. The Bible is replete with the command, don't be afraid, fear not, be not afraid. Why? Because that's the place where uh, we're... we're we're not in control. We have to trust God that he's going to meet us at that point where we're afraid and we'll push through it. What is pride all about? Well, it's saying that you're not that big of a deal. You're not that awesome. Get over yourself. Nobody is beneath your dignity. No job is beneath uh, your sense of self-worth or self-appraisal. Get over your pride. Your pride is a false god. It's a form of idolatry. You're worshiping your image. Stop worshiping your image and just keep worshiping the Lord. Laziness. Well, I've done enough. I don't have time to give or serve. I've got other things I've got to do. 
Enough said on laziness. Ignorance. Well, I don't know what to do. It's too complicated to figure it out. No, ignorance is not a good excuse. How about indifference? That's the hardest one. Apathy is, is, the, is the hard one. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Those things hold us back. Fear, pride, laziness, ignorance, and indifference. They're all false messages about what makes life work. They're all false paths robbing us of feeling like we're most alive. And what propels us forward? Well then, love, humility, generosity, wisdom, care, and commitment. Briefly stated, love is that I'm motivated by God's love for me and want to share it with others. Humility is that I'm honored to serve Christ alongside with His people, whoever they are, wherever they are. It's a joy and an honor to be part of this movement of God's Spirit in the world. Love, humility, generosity. I consider it a privilege to give my time, talent, and treasure. I can't outgive God. God entrusts to me those things that I can give in His name to bless others and to bring Him great glory. Not to impress people, but to bring glory to God by simply being faithful to Him with what I have. Wisdom. I now understand God's mission in the world. I now understand my mission in the world because of God's mission in the world. Powerful. Care and commitment. Well, it just says, uh, means saying, I care about doing the things God cares about and that God commands me to do. You see the power of this? Why, this, why, why these would propel us forward? Love, humility, generosity, wisdom, care, and commitment. They all move us uh, into that place where God meets us. And God uses everything in life then to develop us and to deepen us. We all love the big reveal moments in life, don't we? Uh, TV is, is filled with these great examples. Uh, the, the, the makeover of somebody. Somebody who has been in horrible condition and there's this process where they are, are reconnected to the true version of themselves and then we all are amazed when we see what's happened. What they've overcome to become the person that they've always wanted to be. I love those reveal moments. How about uh, all the different TV shows about rehabbing houses uh, the, the, the powerful moment when, when we have that you know, ta-da, aha moment when, when they pull back the screen and you see the house that's been rehabbed for these people and it now represents their dream home. We love those big reveal moments. Well, we have our own big reveal moment coming. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. This is where it's all going. That we will be the fullest version of who we are. It'll be mind-boggling. It'll be delightful. It will be giddy with joy when we see that. But why is it taking so long? Life is a hard, long, arduous slog filled with difficult tasks. What's up with that? Is this some form of delayed gratification that God is, is laying on us, making us wait to get what we want? No, no. God is not denying us or delaying anything. God is developing us. If you get one thing from this message, it's this. Our lives belong to Him, are hidden with Him, because He's developing us. In Christ, we're being developed into people compatible with His glory. He's already given us His love unconditionally. He's already given us a gift of salvation. And now He's making us compatible, able to live up to and to bear the weight of His glory. 
Otherwise, the weight of glory, of God's glory, would crush us. The weight of God's righteousness would crush us. He's making us substantially stronger, fully developed versions of who we were created and are being saved to be. He's developing us to be compatible with his glory. Do you understand what that says about you? How, how precious you are to God? How specific it is that God is working in you to bring you to that place where you would be compatible with his glory? I hope you're feeling honored to understand that. Blessed to be included in that. I hope that makes you feel a bit of giddiness and joy to think that really, in spite of all signs of the contrary, God is creating me to be compatible with him in his glory. Yes, he is. Being compatible means existing together with him in perfect peace and harmony. We get tastes of that, tantalizing examples of that. And one day we shall have it in full. It's like what Paul writes at the end of that chapter, chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians. We, we, we often call it the love chapter. And at the very, the very end of it, he says, you know, faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. He talks about being like a person looking at a mirror or through a window, but they can't quite see it clearly. And so he says, though now I, we look uh, in the glass dimly, one day we shall see fully, even as we are fully seen. This is where it all goes. John said it this way in 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. This makes everything that we do to respond to God's love worth it. This makes every sacrifice we make, any suffering we suffer through, worth it. Every day we're closer to Christ's big reveal. Life passes quickly. Stay focused on Him. If you get distracted, you will be discouraged. If you stay focused on Him, you will have the courage you need to take that next step, to hang in there when you want to quit, to love when you don't want to love, to receive love when you don't feel worthy of it. Who you are in Christ is the only thing you get to take with you from this world. Embrace it now. Though hidden, it will be revealed fully then. All shall be well, and all shall be well. And all manner of things shall be well. So, Lord Jesus, I thank you that that's your promise to us. That we are safe in you, secure in you, being sanctified by you. You've given us everything we need to live the life that you've saved us and are preparing us to live. We can embrace as true, not as wishful thinking, that us in you is enough. And Lord, you're giving us everything we need to live wisely and to do well with what you have entrusted to us. Thank you for making that possible through your Holy Spirit, through your Holy Word, through your holy people. We thank you and praise you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face 
to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us all that we might reflect and ultimately reveal his glory both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.